let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you be with us this evening. Pray you speak to us out of your word. And that we would learn something tonight of you. Not about you so much as of you. That would help us in our life to be closer to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, let's start in James, chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 13, and if you'd like to stand for the reading of the word, I'd encourage you to do so. It says here, Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray you bless the word, even through such poor lips as mine and such poor ears as ours. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. And take your seats. One of the favorite things that I like to share with the kids, uh, and, and I enjoy a lot, and I hope you do too, is... is uh, Nature documentaries. How many people like the nature documentaries? Oh yeah, brother Greg, big smile in the back. And so, how many have ever seen the nature documentaries about the mountain goats? Okay, yeah. And how they uh, how they run up and down the mountains, and it seems like there's a sheer, just sheer rock. There's no way to climb it, and you see these little kids. Uh, baby goat kids, not, you know, running up and down it. And you think, oh my goodness, how do they do that? And it's because there are these, well, they're, they're too small to be called footholds, but they're, they're toeholds, and they just bounce from toehold to toehold, and, you know. You all know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Things that are so small that they, they, they even look invisible, but they're still there, and they give these goats enough footing that they can run up and down the mountain, get away from the, the leopards and the different things that chase them. It's absolutely incredible. And when I was, uh, when Brother Greg asked me to, to minister, I was thinking, what shall I minister on? And, you know, I had this really amazing thought the other day. So what starts in the garden and ends in the city? Because the Bible starts in the garden and ends in the city. It's like, wow. But it just didn't seem, I just don't know enough about it yet, so that's coming. But I was going through my old notes and I saw this one, and it's called Toeholds for the Devil. Okay? Things that look invisible, but give enough of a place that someone can climb up and down, you know, someone can get a hold. 
and it was a, a, a series that I preached when I was in England, when I was doing Bible study uh, back in England. Um, and so what I've done is I've extracted some of this. We're going to present it tonight. Lord willing, it will be a blessing. Because no matter how much we go through our lives, we still have this question of we have to overcome. And it doesn't matter how much you have already overcome. There is still more to overcome until we reach the city. Okay. And so we have to be careful and be constantly examining our lives and saying, where are the places that the devil can get in, that the devil already has get in, that got in, that I'm not aware of? And when I become aware of, how do I deliver myself from this? And so we're going to look at uh, toeholds for the devil. I'm going to give you a little bit of a background, then we're going to look at how to defend ourselves from these toeholds. Because... Death is the product of sin, but sin is the product of lust that has conceived, that's brought forth something, okay? And so, when we look at the scripture, and let no man say, when I'm tempted, I'm tempted of God, we see the beginning of any sin in your life, Anything that you do wrong in your life, any death in your life, has a has a start, and that start goes back to the temptation, and that temptation uh, is it, really something interesting. The temptation doesn't come from the devil. Yeah, you're not tempted by the devil's lusts. You're tempted by your own lusts. That's what the Bible says. So those lusts are what the devil will use. So it's not something that the devil is putting on you and giving to you. That's the initial point of the toehold for the devil. Okay? It's something that's already in you that you have to guard against. Okay? So, you're tempted of your own lusts your own craving or your own desire for that which is forbidden, the lust conceives, it actually brings an action into life. That action brings sin, that sin brings death. Okay? So, we're going to look, your own lusts are toeholds for the devil. So, for example, Eve in the Garden of Eden. And, and I know we've talked about this before, but it's worth thinking of. Okay? Eve... Perfect environment. Alright? It was a God-made environment. If God could have made it any better for Adam and Eve, he would have. You understand? Absolutely perfect. Perfect parents. Alright? If God could have been a better parent to Adam and Eve, he would have been. Okay? And we say he because we talk about the masculine side of God primarily, but God isn't God isn't a he as in you know solely male. But we know that God, that spirit, expresses that male and that female side. Okay, so it's not just you know God the Father and there's only the Father. There's God the Mother and the motherly attributes there. If he could have been a better parent, he would have been a better parent. You understand? 
Adam and Eve still fell. And so if you're in a situation where you, your young people have fallen to certain sins and certain lusts, you know, don't beat yourself up too hard. Same thing happened to God. And it's part of this journey, well, from the garden to the city. That's very interesting. Uh, and we may touch on it several times because it's on my mind. But think about this, that God knew that in order to have a child come to maturity, come to perfection, he had to include the potential for sin in the garden. You understand that? And that's really quite something because you can't actually make a choice unless you have a choice. And to have a choice is to say to choose between right and wrong. So there has to be the potential to do the right thing and the potential to do the wrong thing. That desire to do something that's, that is forbidden was built into Eve. Because otherwise she couldn't have even considered it. You, you understand what I'm saying? And, and Brother Brandon makes this wonderful point. He says we are on exactly the same basis as Adam and Eve in the garden. And you think, well, my life isn't very perfect. It's like, That's fine. Your life isn't very perfect. Uh, I'm, I'm not in the garden of Eden. I'm in Satan's Eden. Oh, okay, that's fine. What are we talking about? I don't have perfect parents. Well, doesn't matter if you did. Okay? You're still on that same basis, and that same basis is you have the choice between good and between evil. And because you have that choice, you have the potential to do evil, and because you have that potential to do evil, the devil can tempt something that's inside of you. You understand that? So, Eve in the Garden of Eden had a desire for the forbidden. And Satan drew on that desire for the forbidden, and that lust conceived. It brought forth an action, and that action brought forth sin. Okay? So the toehold for the devil was as much a reality for Adam and Eve as it is a reality for you and me. Otherwise, they couldn't have fallen to sin. You understand what I'm saying there? All right? So that means the ability to overcome and the ability to fall are just as real in us as it was in them. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the way God made us. And why did God make us that way? Yeah, so we would have a choice. Okay? And so, because, you know, if if I didn't want my kids to eat ice cream, I could just tie them up and throw them in the basement and keep the ice cream in the freezer. Okay? And never let them near it. Never let them have the choice. Never let them know about it. (laughs) But, if I want them to be mature... There's ice cream in the freezer. There'll come a time for ice cream. Leave it alone. Okay? Until that time. There's a reason why freezers in America are higher than the fridges. So the little kids can't get in there. Okay? 
But that maturity is about making the right choice, not about stopping someone from having the, from making the wrong choice. Yeah, you understand. And there's uh, that's really interesting. So lust conceived, and sin brought forth death. And here's the problem: that death brings more potential for toeholds for the devil. Because now we don't just have to to uh, to fight against the lust that's inside us. That's just that choice between right and wrong. Now we have to also fight in. Um, well, we got the scripture in Romans seven eighteen. Let's just have a. For I know. That in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good is not. We come into the world now with a, a body that's not like the original body that Adam and Eve had. And so it's weaker and is more prone to sin. That doesn't mean that we have an excuse still to, to make the wrong choice. It just means God had to give a different way of deliverance. So, and all that's in the world is is one John, First uh, John, uh, chapter two. All that is in the world. And these are the things that we contend with. Okay, First uh, John two fifteen. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And so those lusts and that desire to have something above before what you before the time, that's the cause of the problem. So you saw. That it was good, pleasant to the eyes, tree desired to make one wise. There's the, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Okay, so, you have to recognize the toeholds that Satan has in your life. Okay? And it's it, until the body is changed, Satan has these toeholds in your life. Because... Your body will always desire something that it shouldn't have. Always. And so you have to put it this way. You can't stop the lust. You can stop the conception. Do you understand what I mean? Okay. Brother Brown said you can't stop the, what is it? You can't stop the crows flying over. You just stop them building nests. So you're always going to have, you're always going to walk around with these toeholds for the devil. So you have to be vigilant and stop the devil gaining ground on those toeholds and turning a lust into an action. Because when you turn a lust into an action, 
Well, then it brings sin, then it brings death. So, uh, Samson is a good example of someone. He had a desire for a woman of the Philistines. He told his dad, go get me this woman. And his weakness was the women of the Philistines. But he never recognized that as his weakness. He never recognized that as the toehold for the devil because God used it to deliver Israel. So it was like, well, I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, it, it, it seems kind of crazy to me, and I suppose to you, that there's Samson, and he's lying in Delilah's lap, and she says to him, Samson, what's the secret of your strength? And he says, oh, you know, seven, seven green strings will hold me, you know. I've not told anyone this. So what she do? Get seven green strings and ties him down. Samson, the Philistines on you. Then they come and jump on him. And he just laughs them off and goes on his way. Okay? And then he goes back to her. Samson, what's the secret of your strength? Oh, it's, uh, you know, it's, um, it's this, it's that. And he gets closer and closer to telling her the truth. But he never recognizes that at the beginning of that is a lust, a desire for the forbidden that he's stepping into habitually all the time until it traps him and brings forth death. So we can walk through our lives and we can be blinded to a wrongful desire that we have. Even if we're an anointed person, even if we can bring the word of God into our life. And you see, it's the grace of God that delivers us from that blindness. Because you remember how Jesus said uh, to the Pharisees. Well, let, let's turn there. It's uh, John chapter 9. And this is important. That you never have this attitude. And you never let this attitude come into your life. Because it's... Alright. And Jesus said, this is verse 39, and Jesus said, For judgment am I come into this world, that they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, I see, therefore your sin remaineth. Now, they were blind, and Jesus said to them, if they're blind, leave the blind, they're both going to fall in the ditch. But because they had the, the pride to say, I can see, God treated them like they could see, even though they couldn't. And so, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so, this is the first lesson we should draw. If you want to avoid the devil turning those toeholds, turning those lusts into actions, making them conceive, you've got to stay humble and stay aware that, you know what, for as much as God has shown me, yeah, I'm sure there's a whole lot more that I'm still blind to. God have mercy on me that if I step in my blindness, open my eyes. You see what I mean? That humility... And never be in the point where you're like, I listen, I know the right thing. There's only one time when any Christian should say that. And that's when they have the word of God. 
Okay? Uh, and the word of God, oh, brothers and sisters, there was a preacher in England. I'll remember his name at some point. His wife was sick. And he had people sending him prophecies and God will raise her up and thus saith the Lord she's healed and sending him these messages of encouragement. Like, well, that's that's really fine. That's good. And then she died. Okay? Well, who had they heard from to send him those encouraging messages, to send him, thus saith the Lord, to say, God will raise her up? Who had they heard from? Because if they hadn't heard from God, they're playing with fire by saying something that is not true. They're making themselves false prophets. So be very, very careful that we're... If God tells you to say something, you better say it. But if God says to say something, you better be sure it's God. Because you speak with the words and the authority of God, God will hold you accountable for that. He'll also hold you accountable if, you know. I had a brother who was, uh, he had it on his heart to witness to somebody, and he didn't. And a, a week later, he phoned them and, and to witness to them, and he, they died. And it's like, what happened? What did I miss? Is that person going to hell because of me? That's a burden. So it's very important to know the voice of God and to obey the voice of God. We'll get into that, because it's the Word of God. And it's not... Listen, brothers and sisters, okay, you know I like doing this. This isn't the word of God, okay? I guarantee you 100%, no Bibles will go in the rapture, yeah? The word of God will go in the rapture, the word of God made flesh. This is just paper and ink. It's the reality that comes to you. It's the thoughts, it's the word of God, it's the thoughts of God behind this, it's that life made manifest you understand, this is a book, this is not a life made manifest. And you are meant to take this and eat it and it becomes part of you. And that's what will go in the rapture. The word of God in reality, not in print form. Okay, so, yeah. Saul was another example. You know, Saul started off so well. If we turn to Samuel... The first book of Samuel. And I, I think it's chapter 12 here. No. Well, you can read. I'm just going to go through this briefly. Sam Saul started off. Humble. Who's, who's my house? Who's my father's house? Saul started off in mercy. Saul started off in victory. Saul started off, uh, you know, and, and the people said, where are the, peop- where are the people that said Saul shouldn't be uh, king? Put them to death. And he said, no, 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 no. This isn't a day that anyone should die. He started off in wisdom. But in First Samuel 
chapter 13. In verse 8, he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And that was the toehold that the devil had for Saul was, listen to the people, they're leaving you. And you look through the Bible and you see Saul's interaction with the people that he's leading. And he's listening to the people all the time. And he's not just listening to the people and doing nothing, but he's listening to the people and there's something in him that says, this is what I should act on. And that lust turns into, it conceives, brings forth sin. That sin brings forth death. And Saul went from somebody who had such a sweet, humble, committed to God beginning into somebody who ended up with an evil spirit on him. Because that lust led to sin, that sin led to him being controlled by an evil spirit. But in all that, he was still saved. Quite something. And we can see as well that this is the way uh, the devil acts on the church as a body. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 6. And this, this is really interesting. Okay. And this is the history of the conflict between the devil and the Spirit of God in the church before the rapture. And I saw and behold a white horse and him that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given to him. He went forth conquering and to conquer. And there's, there's that toehold for the devil and it's so hard you can't tell the difference between the good seed and the bad seed. God said, let them grow up together. You can't tell the difference. It looks good. All right. But it starts, it's not, it's, the Nicolaitans are always in the church, but it's the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Okay, that brings sin into the church. And then comes the red horse, and the red horse has power over the body. So something has been produced, an act has been produced in this world Okay, and sin comes and then the black horse comes and now that's power over the spirit because now what you're doing if you go far enough down this trail when the sin comes and gives and, and you give your body over to the sin your mind will start to justify the actions of your body and if you do that for long enough I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and how followed him. Death will come in an open way. You see? So there's that same progression through the spirit of Satan acting on the church. Okay, so we've got 15 minutes left so we're going to go through this. Let's look at what our defense is. Because... We've looked at these examples of people that allowed the devil not just to get a toehold, but to take that lust and turn it and let it conceive and become sin. Okay? We know that the devil is always going to have a toehold in your life. And we know 
from uh, the example of Sansom and also from the example of Saul, that if you, it, it turns into a vicious cycle. That the devil has power in your life, or, or that lust turns to sin, sin turns to death, and that death swings back around and gives you a bigger lust to turn into. And then it gets a, a, a stronger hold on you, and a stronger hold on you, and a stronger hold on you. Okay? So, by our own lusts we're tempted if we listen to those lusts, the lusts conceive sin, and then we're in Romans 16, know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto life. Okay, so when we have sin in our members, using your hand to steal, using your mind to hate somebody, you become a servant of that sin. And you use those energies, your energy, to excuse, to cover up, to avoid the sin coming out, to avoid being judged, to avoid being condemned, because you've been captured by the sin. And that's not a good situation. Because the devil starts off with these very pure, simple, little thoughts that grow. And, and here's the thing, the devil is wonderful at pulling out the scriptures that justify that initial little bad action. You see? So we have to be very wary. So the first thing to do is to consider... Uh, Gird up the loins of your mind. Okay, that's First Peter 1. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorant ignorance, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it's written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. A separated way of life. Friends, I listened to a very interesting um, video, a motivational speaker that popped up on my LinkedIn feed. They did an experiment where someone would come up to a stranger on the street, random, and they would hand them and ask them, can you just hold my cup of coffee? Okay. Did you see that? No. Hold my cup of coffee for me while I tie my shoes. So most people did, because most people are, you know, if you ask them to do something, they did. And uh, then about 20 minutes later, another stranger would approach them on the street and would say, hey, I'm just doing a, uh, I'm just doing a survey. Uh, I just want your thoughts. I'm going to, I want you to read this story. And I want to just get your idea of whether this person is a, like a cold-hearted person or a warm-hearted person. Okay. So, they'd read the story and they'd tell the person whether it was cold-hearted or warm-hearted. According to this, and I, and I, I believe this 
there were two kinds of coffee involved 20 minutes earlier. Iced coffee or a hot coffee. Okay. And 80% of the people that held the iced coffee read the story and said, oh, this looks like a cold-hearted person. Okay. And 80% of the people that held the hot coffee read exactly the same story and said, oh, that looks like a warm-hearted person to me. Okay? And that's how much your interaction with your environment shapes the way that you think. Okay? Now, why am I telling you that? Because be ye holy, gird up the loins of your mind. Okay? So, how much time did you spend today browsing videos on LinkedIn. I, I pick on that one because that's what I do sometimes. Okay. Compared with how much time did you spend watching a sermon on YouTube or, or reading your Bible? What are you exposing your mind to experience is going to tell you how you're thinking about different things. It's going to inform how you're thinking about different things through the day. If a cup of hot coffee and a cup of cold coffee can influence your thoughts that much, unknowingly, how much more when you're actually getting into the spiritual side of things and you're looking at situations and you're wondering, how do I react in a holy way? What's coming to your mind, first of all, is going to be whatever you have been immersing yourself in. All right. And so be ye holy, be ye separated from the world as I am holy. And you think about Jesus, how much time did he spend in fasting and prayer? The most holy man that ever lived. But to keep his connection and to keep his balance in the world, he had to expose himself to God on a daily basis to counteract that exposure to the evil spirits on a daily basis. And you wonder why we struggle. Okay. You wonder, you know, the older I get, the more I realize that I don't know very much, the more I realize I'm actually kind of dumb. You know, um, don't worry, young people, you'll get there one day. <laughs> all right, we're all telling you you're dumb right now. One day you'll realize, it's, oh, yeah, okay, happens to all of us. But the point is this. How much are we going to look back and say, it really was grace that brought us through those times when we thought we were being holy and we were being separated. But we were consuming so much that strengthened the toeholds of the devil and that gave power to the lusts that are inside us to conceive and bring forth sin. Okay? So, yeah. How do we combat? Do you think that the scripture, this is James 4, do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? That's our human spirit. But he gives more grace. Wherefore he said, God resisteth the proud, 
but gives grace to the humble. Stay humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. All right. Again, there's a a procedure there. The procedure is not resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay, It's submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So how do we submit to God? By doing his word. By doing our best to do his word. And how do we do our best to do his word? Well, you can't do it. Put it this way. Your chances of answering that question and saying it's a warm-hearted person after you've held a cold cup of coffee 20 minutes before. Yeah? It's about 20%. It's not very high. And you don't even know anything about it. So what are your chances of submitting to the word of God if you've been holding in your mind things that are outside the word of God? I'm going to say probably less than 20%. So you need to make an effort to immerse yourself in the word of God, which is why read your Bible, pray every day. All right, listen to the message tapes, listen to the sermons. There's so much resources available to us that have not been available in any other age. If you wanted to, uh, you could spend the entire day just filling your mind with things of a godly influence. Okay? I have the Schofield Bible, the... Um, Oh, who's the guy that narrates it? Alexander Scalby. Scalby. It's on my phone. I could just put that on a loop and just listen to it all day. Okay? I could. I don't. Maybe I should. How would that change our experience of the Word of God? How would that help us to submit to the Word of God in our lives? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy into heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now, that's an interesting scripture to dwell on. Because we like the joy of the Lord. But there's a time to draw, turn the joy into heaviness. And maybe that's the time for some of us to do that, to clean out those toeholds that we've allowed the devil to sit in while we're rejoicing and praising God, but our lives aren't... You can, you know... Saul was anointed king, and he was anointed king, and he had power over the children of Israel till the end of his life because he was God's anointed king. Alright? But he didn't have power in his own life. And you can have power in a position that God's put you in but not have power in your own life. Okay? Samson was... He just had that one weakness but it eventually led to his downfall. And we can live. He lived in victory 
in that weakness. You, you understand? <clears throat> Till they put his eyes out. Till they made him blind. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, the days of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their hearts, they have not known my ways, for I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren lest there be any of, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. Mm. So, let's examine our lives and see where those toeholds are and see if you see sin in your life, okay, that's a problem. I'm not going to say that's not that's not a problem. Right? That is a problem. But what you have to do is say, Lord, open my eyes to where this sin has come from. All right. David, he sinned. He took Bathsheba. He killed a man. All right, to take his wife. Where did that sin come from? You know where that sin came from? It was the time when kings went out to war and Joab went out to war and David stayed in the palace. Okay, so the cause of that whole thing was just a little something where David stayed in the palace and sent his armies out to war. And that set off a chain of events. Okay. Samson, captured by the Philistines, hair shaved. Where did that start? Way back when he said to his father, get me a wife of the Philistines. You see? All right. Let us, let's turn to, this is good, the Hebrews 4. Um, it's all good, I think. Amen. All right. I want to want to let us slave therefore labor to enter into this rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And this is a continuation of the thought. They all had the manner, but they had a toehold for the devil that they couldn't overcome. And that turned that sin turned that that toehold turned into sin. The lust turned into sin, brought about death. Let us labor therefore. To enter into that rest. They didn't enter in because of unbelief. But we can enter in. As long as we avoid. Turning lust. Letting lust conceive. Turning lust into sin. Living in that sin till it turns into death. But listen. We know this scripture. For the word of God. Is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And the joints of the marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature with him that is not manifest in his sights. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed on to the heavens. Let us hold fast our profession. 
For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Which goes back to Adam and Eve. Okay, we don't live in the Garden of Eden. We don't have perfect parents. <coughs> we don't have a sin-free world. We don't have one point of temptation. We have many. We don't have just one weakness. We have many. And it's a problem. But we don't have a problem without a solution. We have a great high priest who knows what it is, who was tempted in every point, who had every single toehold that we have, yet without sin. And so we can be touched. So we have two things to help us. The word of God and the high priest, Jesus who understands. Let us therefore come boldly to find grace. God resists the proud. Okay. So live. Well. I, yeah, we're getting on. We're getting on. Uh, Colossians 3, 8 to 17. Read that. Put off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Put on these things, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, and so on and so on. These are the things that we have to search our lives for and say, the first list is our toeholds for the devil. The second list is what we need to replace them. Live every moment according to the word of God. Okay? Watch what you're asking for in your life. Because James says that you lust and have not killed, desire to have, you fight in war, and yet you have not, because you ask not. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. And so that's a really interesting scripture, because you could be asking for someone's healing, and God won't do it. And he'll say to you afterwards, it was because you wanted that healing for your own gratification. I can't give you that. Because, in a way, you know, beloved, i good health and all that good stuff that's wonderful God doesn't particularly care what happens with your body compared with what happens to your soul okay it's not that God doesn't care for your body but if he has to beat you black and blue sometimes for the good of your soul or even for the good of someone else's soul he'll do it because this is temporary the other is eternal so So what's the things you're asking for in your life? But there's one last thing I want to bring out, and that's Matthew 14. Okay? And we find this is a principle all through the scripture. Okay? Now from verse 24, but now... But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. <clears throat> and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee upon the water. 
And he said, come. And when Peter was come down after the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Lord, help me. That reminds me. Lord, help me. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Because he knows what we're dealing with. And he knows the weakness. And so if you're looking for sin in your life, and you're looking at sin in your life, and you don't know where it comes from, and you have no idea of the connections... Oops. Sorry. Smart watches aren't all that smart. If you're looking for the connections, and saying, where's the toehold that's led to the lust conceiving into this action, and it becoming sin and, and death, and I have no idea what it is. All I know is I am in trouble right now. Then just cry to Jesus, Lord, help me. Lord, I'm, if we say we have no sin, we make him a liar. Lord, I'm a sinner. I need your help. Lord, I'm a person of little faith. I need your help. Lord, I'm sinking. Because okay? he loves you. And he's not going to let you sink. And as we mature, so he's going to show us more and more of those places. And so he's going to expect more and more of us to, to, to you know. I change Tiffany's diaper sometimes. Sometimes it's stinky. Okay. But my big kids don't have to change their diapers because they look after themselves. Okay. There's a principle there. All right. And sometimes God is going to say to you, hey, you know what to do. You didn't have to do that. Go and sort it out. And sometimes God is going to say, oh, you poor baby. Let me come and change your diaper. You really got into a mess there. It's different for all of us. The point is, though, he's a loving father. But he wants us to mature to the point where we overcome the world where we overcome the devil, and where we overcome the sin that so easily besets us. How? By watching those toeholds for the devil, and making sure nothing ever gets planted there, making sure the lust that is in us doesn't conceive and produce sin. Okay? So where do we stop it? Well... If you're in death, if you've gone all the way from lust to conception to sin to death, is there any hope for you? And you can go from death to evil spirit even. Is there any hope for you? Well, just ask him. Lazarus, come forth. Death didn't stop him. If it's gone from lust to sin, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinful man. I'm an unbeliever and I'm sinking here. And I'm close to death. All ye of little faith, but I'm here to not let you sink. But Lord willing, he gives us the maturity and the understanding to say, I am not going to let sin reign in my body. I'm not going to let that lust. I'm going to keep under my body. Uh, which literally means I'm going to beat my body black and blue 
to stop it from doing the things I don't want it to do. Um, there were monks in the Middle Ages that took that kind of seriously. We don't have to, but we have to have that mindset that says, by the grace of God, he's given me the ability to control these things, and I need to recognize where sin is having power and to stop those toeholds for the devil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We pray, Lord, that there's been anything good said tonight that's come of you that you would sink down in our hearts and help us to overcome in this day. Lord, if I've said anything wrong or anything of me, let it come to your light. But Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us to keep fighting and to keep moving forward and pressing to the mark of the high calling to overcome the devil and to overcome his temptations and the lusts and the sin that does so easily beset us. This burden that you've given us to carry with your help to make the right choices in this day. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We have Sister Karen and the musicians come forward and I read a song in the Only Believe the other day that I really like. We haven't sung it for a while. I know I'm not meant to be song leading tonight, but I will walk in the light, the beautiful light. All ye saints of life proclaim Jesus, the light of the world. Let's find that one. Thank you. One forty two. All ye saints of life proclaim Jesus the light of the world. Life and mercy in his name Jesus the light of the world we'll walk in the light beautiful light come where the dew drops of mercy are bright shine all around us by day and by night Jesus the light of the world hear the Savior's of the 
that you have given us to allow us to gather, Lord, each of us, may we just realize your grace, Lord. Lord, may we just continue to be a light afterwards, Lord. And we pray for safe travels of each and every one, Lord, and continued 
just working in our lives. Lord Jesus, we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.